Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go One. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm here in 2019 with Jess and Matt. And what a year it's been! My goodness, top five moments, Matt, go. Um, I loved it. Uh, which Part of 2019 is this? Uh, a few this days in. A few days. Oh, the first few days have been my highlights. So far. <laughs> I yep. reckon. Where yeah. are you, Papa? I went to the beach. I went to a music festival. I went. Uh, I had an icy pole. That's nice. This is three. Four, had a nap. And five, pizza. Hell yeah. Yep, been a big year so far. And, That's a uh, big year. Already proud of everything that I've achieved. And no further questions. <laughs> Your Honour. <laughs> Dave, I don't care what you've been up to. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Now what you've had a probably been what horse polo, that sort of stuff. Yeah, a lot of skiing. Yep. On poor people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Did you buy another yacht? Oh yeah. I mean we're three days in. How many He's twenty nineteen yacht. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Ivory back scratches coming out the wazoo. Yeah. The wazoo of the yacht. Yeah. A wazoo is a part of a yacht. Oh yes, that's where the term comes from. Yeah, mm. made of Oak, 
Yep. Like a rare kind of oak. But then it's also coated in gold. Yeah. But like a rare kind of gold. An endangered kind of gold. Yes. Mm. Royal oak and gold. Mm. Mm -hmm. It costs lives. Yeah. Yeah, you can't buy it with currency. (laughs) You have to spare lives. I'm rich with other people's lives. Don't worry about it. But no, 2019, (laughs) it's going to be a good one. We are looking forward to doing more podcasts in more places this year. So exciting. And we're excited to announce right here, right now, for the first ever time, we are coming to a city we've never been to. Yep. And Matt, that city is? Can I list the cities we haven't been to? No. 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 Uh Yeah, all right. <laughs> I mean, actually, Jess doesn't know that many cities. It'd be fine. <laughs> That's true. I can't think of that many. I'm not very bright. <laughs> sure you are. Chicago. Haven't we been there? I don't know. Not yet. <gasps> it's on the list. It's on the list, people. But one we're happy to announce. Speaking is... about posh and uh, rich, mm. we are going to a very posh city. And churches. Yes. It's probably the nicest sort of city square in Australia, I reckon. It's all very pretty. Uh, and the city, of course, is Adelaide. 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 Ooh. Use it in a sentence. <laughs> um, we're going to Adelaide. Yeah, very good. When are we going to Adelaide? We are coming to perform there on March the 10th. Ah, uh, my favourite day in March. A beautiful day. That's Which Richard Buick's a- birthday. The guy I went to primary school with. Haven't seen him in probably 20 years. How is he? <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be particularly good that day because it's his birthday. Yeah. <laughs> now we're coming to perform at the <laughs> at the National Wine Centre at three fifteen in the afternoon on Sunday, March the tenth. And let me just say, other podcasters have said that it's very difficult to sell tickets in Adelaide, and they said, "Don't even bother going there." But we said, "No way. We love Adelaide. We will we will always go there as long as they sell out this show." <laughs> Yeah, that's what we've always said always from said the it. beginning when we definitely knew live shows was going to be a thing we would do. It's at a beautiful new venue, the uh, Adelaide Wine Centre, um, run by the... The pe- National Wine Centre. National Wine Centre. Bloody hell. It's Sorry. not just Adelaide. It's national. It's baby. national, baby. And they've, um, it's much like uh, South Australia's uh, football competitions called the South Australian National Football League, <laughs> yeah. even though there's only <laughs> South Australian teams in the comp. Um but yeah, it's, there's so many great acts playing there. Uh, Matt Stewart, a uh, good friend of mine. Uh, oh, no, sorry, me. I'm there for two weeks. You can be your own friend. No, I'm not. I hate myself. Uh, <laughs> I like you. Show called Bone Dry. It'd be great to see you there. There's a discount for Do Go On listeners, and that discount's Do Go On. But there's also people like Ben Knight, another yes. man with a red beard. I think maybe they exclusively have shows of people with red beards. That's not true. Oh. Amy Hetherington is also performing there. there. And our good pal, Seren Jaimane. Ah, Neither sorry, of those have, have red beards. Seren has a beard. He has a beard. Yes, that's correct. It's hard to bloody throw Amy a rock Amy does not have a here. beard. No, that's true. Yeah. So lots and lots going on at the National Wine Centre, which is the corner of Hackney and Botanic Road in Adelaide. A beautiful spot. Just looked on the map, map Matt, and you're in a bloody good spot. So all those shows are part of the Adelaide Fringe. We are outside of the Fringe, but we're going to be there during that time of year. So it's, it's always, a, always an absolute cracker. And those other shows are on sale at adelaidefringe.com.au. But our show is on sale right now. There's a link in the description of this episode, or you can go to dogoonpod.com, mm-hmm. find a, click on live shows there, and you'll be able to find the tickets on sale. And let's just say, if you book in the next couple of weeks and use the code Adelaide. Oh, that's clever. Love mm-hmm. it. We'll give you a little discount. Because that's where we're going. Yes. That- we're in weird if the code was Darwin. 
Can you make the code Darwin? All right. Adelaide and Darwin are both codes. Yes. Amy's from Darwin. So in a way, it's an homage. Yes, fantastic. To my friend Amy. Uh so wait, I'm confused now. Do you think the listeners would be? What's happening? Well, no, they probably didn't zone out just then. Oh, okay. Just go to dogoonpod.com. If you're in Adelaide during that time of year, please come along and uh, use the code word Adelaide and or Darwin. <laughs> it's just or. There's only one one discount. And uh, book in the next couple of weeks and uh, we'd love to see you there. March yeah, 10. It'd you be can so much fun. Do the double see me that night after seeing the podcast. Oh, man. Yes. Can so, you get too much Matt Stewart? The answer will shock you. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. And other places in Australia, stay tuned. We're going to announce some more interstate shows over the coming weeks. That's right. Uh, I And I'm also touring around Australia with that solo show. If you want to check out my dates, uh, they're at mattstewartcomedy.com slash gigs. And the discount code of Do Go On, it's an early bird. I, I forget when it lasts till, but it's still on apparently. They get you a real sweet discount. Uh, four shows in Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane, and Melbourne. Now, should we get cracking with the show? The way this show works is we rotate between the three of us and tell a story about a report that we've researched. We do a report on a story that we've researched, and it could be anything from history or current events or people or places or pornographies. Uh, we've never done a pornography, but we should. You have not. Oh, that's true. We've done a Close pornographer. Enough. Yeah, uh, And this week's report is going to be done by Jess. And to get us on the topic, Jess is going to ask a question. Dave and I don't know what the topic is, but we're going to find out with this question. Jess, what is your question? I hope you don't know this because I didn't know it. So here is my question. Is it, is it ge- ge- geography-based? No, but I wouldn't know it. Equatorial Guinea. <laughs> <laughs> what is the stage name of Reginald Kenneth Dwight? Oh, I know this. Do you know? Matt, do you know? This is it? Oh, there's a few. Can I have a have a guess? Elton John. Yeah, it is Elton John. <laughs> Elton John. We're talking about Elton John. We're talking about Elton John. Oh. the piano man himself. <gasps> the bitch is back. <laughs> and other songs. Piano man is not one of his. Not one of his. So songs. many songs though. What did the, you say? The piano man. <laughs> that was a little joke there. but that's, uh, I, I was so keen to say the bitch is back. I just ignored whatever you said. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I yell every time I go home at night. Piano what, man. What, piano man? <laughs> yeah, nice. That's some good stuff there. That is some absolute quality. If you're the first time listening, it, it's about this good for the next hour. <laughs> so uh, get comfy. <laughs> oh, this is an episode to send to my dad. Huge Elton John fan growing up. It always played in the car and I'd always be like, oh, I hate this. I hate this. I had the same attitude to Fleetwood Mac. Now a big fan of both. So yeah. there you go. And I think like well, I really enjoyed uh, researching Freddie Mercury and then listening to all of Queen's music all over again and then watching Bohemian Rhapsody, the film. All oh, right. The bitch is back. The bitch ah, is back. Freddie Mercury. The piano man. <laughs> <laughs> so I was keen to um to yeah do another sort of music legend bio because I didn't know a lot about his early life or how where he kind of got started. Right. And so and with I just want to put this out up the up the top is that this is a a mammoth topic in terms of like his life is ridiculous. And I, the, I'm looking forward to this mammoth topic. Well, Thanks the, for getting us excited for it. Yeah, Great. I can't wait. How in-depth is like what I like you to turned hear. over every stone and researched, re- read dozens of books, I imagine. I imagine there'll be 20 minutes on the duet with Kiki D. Oh, mm. don't go breaking my heart by mm. not researching that period of his life. 
No, I did. I'm not saying I didn't do any research. Oh, thank God, because I was going to be pissed off and the bitch would be bad. What I was trying to get through a sentence um, was that I've focused mostly on his early life and how he kind of got started, and then I just kind of do like some key moments. Uh, All right, Jess, his... sing me a song. I'm the piano man. <laughs> oh, no, Jess, I'm excited. I reckon the, the early life. Is the bit that I know the least about. Yeah, as well, exactly. So. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. This has been suggested by a couple of people. It's been uh, suggested by Ross and uh, Ashmita. Neither of them giving their last name. So. Oh, okay. Or possibly they filled out the form separately. But they... First name first, last name second. Is it Ross Ashmita? Or no. They could be. They could be superstars in their own right, like yes. Beyonce or Adele. Adele. Nobody knows their last name. Yeah. I wish science would come far yeah. enough for us to figure it well, out. I wish journalism would dig a little deeper and just like find a birth certificate or something. Good I luck. need to know her last name. She was born we'll... in Kenya. Do you know that? That's what I've heard. Prove it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Can't. Exactly. She's buried the evidence. Who is in she? In Kenya, probably. Is she even from this earth? <sighs> Adele. Hello, doesn't sound like human. She's no. a bit like uh, Elton John, uh, a bit of a star man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rocket man joke, guys. Uh, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. So Reginald Kenneth Dwight, which Reggie is it a fantastic Dwight. name. Why yeah. would you change that? Reggie That's... Dwight, not quite the rock star name. Reggie D. Reggie D. Oh, there we go. Um, he, I reckon, sorry, I don't. The last time I interrupted you, but the older he gets, the more he looks like don't a you Reginald. Don't fucking lie to me. I'm sorry. The older he gets, the more Reginald Kenneth Dwight. I think he looks like. I could not agree more. Yeah, he now he looks like a Reggie. He no, does. a Reginald. He, he looks does. like a Reginald. Mm. And in many ways, he is. Mm, so that's beautiful. You know. Yeah. Like I would argue, sometimes I don't look like a Jess. I reckon I could pass for a Kate. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Thank you. Um. I say thank you. I really like the name Kate. Kate. Hello, I'm Kate. See? <laughs> that sounds like me. Yeah, that did sound What's like this you. Jess? Ugh. Jessica. Oh, God. Anyway. Jessica Blah. Jessica Blah. blah, blah. That's mm. how I hear my name. <laughs> Every time someone says <laughs> it. <laughs> anyway, Reginald Dwight was born on the 25th of March in 1947 in Pinner, Middlesex. <laughs> Pinner. And Middlesex. That's a hot name. It's hot, right? His parents were Stanley, who was in the Air Force, and Sheila. Stanley. All right. What was his mum's name? Uh, Sheila. <gasps> Did you say Sheila? Because that is much better than Stanley. Sheila. Sheila. Not She-Hulk. Is that what Sheila's short for? No. Oh, my God. I think it is. It's just a woman's name. Her Stanley name's Sheila. and She-Hulk. No. Whoa. What was She-Hulk's name again? Babs. Oh. Dr. Babs. Dr. Babs. Marvin Munro. <laughs> Dr. Babs Munro. <laughs> um, both, both of his parents were musically inclined. His father played the trumpet with the Bob Miller Band, which was a semi-professional big band that played at military dances. Um, and both of his parents were keen music lovers and they had uh, they amassed quite the record collection. And he remembers being immediately hooked on rock and roll when his mother brought home records by Elvis Presley. Um, and Bill Haley in his Comets in 1956. So at a pretty young age, he was. Yeah, oh, he, was a, he was a Comet man. Wasn't into he? some cool music. I'm a Comet man. Um, being the only child, young Reginald used music as an escape from his parents arguing. Um, from a very early age, 
He could pick up a tune and play it by ear on the piano from like four or five. (laughs) (laughs) Matt's playing his ear like a trumpet. (laughs) I mean, I I was looking at him and I didn't get that. (laughs) It took me a bit too. You got no chance. I thought that that was his impression. Of playing by ear? Kenneth listening to a song and singing it back, which is obviously... Uh, an amazing skill because I can't do that. No. But he does on the piano, so that is actually impressive. And when he was seven, his parents uh, got him proper piano lessons. And by the age of 11, he was awarded a scholarship at the Royal Academy of Music. Eleven? Gosh, he was 11. a prodigy. Yeah, he joined the Junior Exhibitionist Scheme, which was for state school children who showed an exceptional gift for music. So he's only 11. Um, Exhibitionists? They're doing it in the nude? Yeah. <laughs> Playing piano in the nude, which honestly I find is the best way. Yeah. You can only truly play music when you are completely vulnerable. Yeah. Jazz is about the clothes you don't wear. (laughs) (laughs) I got no shirt on. (laughs) Not under the sea. (laughs) It's my interpretation of under the sea. Yes, thank you. Um, so despite his exceptional skills at a young age, he couldn't actually read music. Um, but at the academy, he learned to read music, how to compose music, to understand it, and how different composers would construct their music in different ways. Um, for the next five years, he attended Saturday classes at the academy in central London. What, what day? Saturday. 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 <laughs> Saturday. Saturday. Saturday night? No. Oh, all right. It's, he's a child. <laughs> He'd go during the day, um, Saturday. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he liked playing uh, a Bach and singing in the choir during his Saturday classes. Um, but he also says, I kind of resented going to the academy. I was one of those children who could just, who could just about get away without practising and still pass, scrape through the grades. God, what a, what a skill. I don't have to practise. I'll be right. Um, he's claimed that he would sometimes skip class to ride around on the London Underground. <laughs> just get, just go on the train. That's different. Would yeah. you, do you think he'd still play his ear in the corner? Why? <laughs> 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 yeah, I think. Um, I think you know, entertainment's come a long way now. When kids wag school. They don't just sit on a train going around a loop. Yeah, at least they'd go smoke. Yeah. You know? They at least go and then. smoke. <laughs> the very you, least. You nerd. If I find out my kids have wagged school just to ride a train. Oh, I would be shoving cigarettes in their mouths so fast. Yeah, I'll be grabbing them by the ear, Trumpet, and dragging them up to the supermarket <laughs> and buying them some cigarettes. Yeah, you smoke every last one in this packet until <laughs> yeah. you stop riding that train. Yeah. <laughs> You nerd. That's your punishment for everything. You buy him an expensive car. You drive this car <laughs> until you've got it out of your system, young man. Our family do not ride trains. We're rocket men. <laughs> um, his parents di- divorced when Reg was 14 and his mother remarried a local painter, Fred Fairbrother. <laughs> Why is that funny? Oh, the emphasis on Fairbrother. Fairbrother. <laughs> The year was... Fair, brother. <laughs> um, Fred was a caring and supportive stepfather who uh, uh, Reg affectionately referred to as Durf, <laughs> which was his first name in reverse. Oh. It's like us calling you Tam. That's nice. Or Evad. Which I enjoyed. Sedge. 
Very nice names. Thank you so much. Um, but it was quite a contrast to uh, his absent and uninterested father. They moved into a, a new flat uh, in an eight-unit apartment building called Frome Court, not far from his childhood home, and it was there that he wrote the songs that launched his career as a rock star. Right, so how old is he when he's writing these songs in his teens? Uh, uh, he lived there for a while okay. into his like early 20s, but I am jumping ahead a little bit. He was merely a rocket boy at this stage. <laughs> In 1962, at the age of 15, two big things happened for Reg. Firstly, with the help of his mum and stepdad, he got a gig as a weekend pianist at the local pub. He'd play Thursday to Sundays. He'd play Jim Reeves and Ray Charles, as well as a few originals, under a very cool stage name. He played a few. Oh, what was it? Reggie. Yeah, that's good. Is it a stage name? Just Reggie. Yeah. Yeah, No last name. Hmm. Who is it? Hello, I'm Reggie. Exactly. That is... Reggie. And that would have been before all the other, most of the people that had known by one name, mononyms. Mm. So I reckon he should have stuck with that. He could have been the first. Everyone would just know him as Reggie. Reggie. But like when he's dancing around in like feathers and big glass, you're going to be like, well, that's Reggie, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely think that's Elton. I think he should change it back now. Okay. He should be Reginald now. He's back to Reginald. You but, know, this is one of the weirdest things I think I've I've ever found out. I watched a Christmas episode of The Nanny a couple of weeks ago. Ray Charles is in that show. Isn't that bizarre? That's very odd. Like a guest appearance? He's like he's like a re- re- recurring guest as, uh, what's the Nana's name? Yoda's um, partner. What? Do not remember that at all. Yelda? What's her name? Anyway, it doesn't matter, but the nanny's Yetta. Yetta's boyfriend is Ray Charles. (laughs) Isn't that wild? But is he just like a regular person or is he Ray Charles in the show? I think, I I didn't look, I wasn't concentrating that hard. But he played the piano and sang like Ray Charles. So he's Ray Charles. He's he's like some version of Ray Charles. That's wild. So weird. How did I not remember that? It feels like that's one of the weirdest things that's ever happened in TV. (laughs) I think you're right. It is one of the weirdest Like an all time musical legend. Yeah. Had a a recurring role on oh, the nanny. As Yetta's boyfriend. Yeah, that's that's fun. Why? Was he out of money? Yeah, I can't figure it out. Did he was he just a fan of the show, maybe? Maybe as a big fan. No, I don't blame him. But he just wanted to get close to Mr. Sheffield. Miss Fine. <laughs> the nanny. Is that Ray Charles? Yeah. He, he composed the theme song. Yeah. Is that what we're saying? Surely you recognise his voice. <laughs> Who would have thought that the girl we described? Ray Charles? That's exactly what the doctor described. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's playing He's playing at the local pub Thursday to Sunday Reggie. nights. Reggie is. Reggie's playing. Just Reggie. Also in 1962, same year, so he's 15 years old, he and some of his friends formed a band called Bluesology. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a minute. <laughs> Bluesology. Have a go oh, saying it. Bluesology. It's fun, isn't it? I like adding ology onto the end of things. Yeah, me too. Me too. Like a bar- bartender. <laughs> oh no, I'm a mixologist. Yeah. Oh, oh god. You're jazzing it up a little bit. Don't remind me. You can be a mixologist in The Sims, and I played The Sims for four hours last night instead of writing this report. Um, and now I just want to kind of get this done so I can go home uh-huh. and play some Sims. Because you're a simologist. Yeah, I'm a simologist. Mm. I'm a gamer. 
Gemologist. I'm a gemologist. Thank you so much. Are we podologists? Yeah. Let's get back to this podca- podcology. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> Do you reckon? Yeah. Next time I'm at a dinner party, which happens often, I'm going to, when someone says, and what do you do? I'm going to say I'm a podcologist. And then when they say, oh, what? I'll just excuse myself and go get a drink. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No podcologist. Excuse me. I think that's my phone. I think that's my pager. Excuse me. That's my child yelling. <laughs> From my handbag. <laughs> <laughs> and just come back and sit back down and never mention it again. Oh, this is why I get invited to so many dinner parties. <laughs> so he's in bluesology now. Bluesology. As Reggie. As Reggie. By the mid-60s, bluesology uh, was uh, backing the touring American soul and R&B musicians like uh, Major Lance and Patti LaBelle on the Bluebells. Like they're, they're backing up pretty big acts that are coming over and performing. Bluebells were performing with bluesology. Patti LaBelle and, and the Bluebells and bluesology. Blah, 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 blah. Honestly, Patty LaBelle is the outlier there. That, that's a big name on a poster. Yeah. Yeah, it's too much. And you know what colour the poster was? <gasps> Orange. Oh, thank goodness. That compliments blue so well. <laughs> um, by the time he was 17, he was set on his dream of being a musician. And school was getting in the way. Ugh. Despite being terrified of his headmaster, he told the headmaster that he wanted to leave school. And surprisingly, the headmaster said, well, I know how much music means to you. I give you my blessing, but make sure you work hard at everything you do. Really? Yeah. So you don't, you, you, it's not your parents; it's your actual headmaster. Yeah, and this isn't like this is in the sixties. It's just like, well, fair enough. He yeah. must have shown lots of promise there. He, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, he was exceptionally talented. He was supporting Patti Labelle and the Bluebells with bluesology, <laughs> mate. So when he's like sixteen, Pretty, seventeen, he just handed his principal the flyer to that show, and he went, "Get out of here, kid! <laughs> You're gonna be a star." <laughs> that. Principal was also a talent agent. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, you got a little side hustle, you know. Yeah, These you days, less people are working a nine to five, and more people are doing like a couple of things. You know, a couple of part time gigs. So that Dean was he was a bit of a pioneer. Oh uh, yeah, mm, I that, think so. That crusty old Dean, <laughs> that dastardly <laughs> Dean. <laughs> I'll get you, Dean. <laughs> um, in nineteen sixty seven. Reg answered an ad in the British magazine New Musical Express, which was placed, uh, the ad was placed by Ray Williams, who was then the A&R manager for Liberty Records. Reg met up with Ray and Ray gave Reg an envelope with lyrics written by someone else who'd also answered the ad. And uh, Reg went away, wrote music for the lyrics and posted them to the lyricist, who was a man named Bernie Torpin. Bloody hell, that's how it started. That's wild. Yeah, and isn't you, it? The initial ad was we need songwriters for our I label. I think so. It doesn't, I didn't really get much of exactly what the ad was, but, but yeah. It must be something that, which is so wild that like one of the world's biggest uh, record companies just puts an ad in the newspaper saying, yeah. hey, write songs for us. Send, yeah. us. send us what you got. And gives him, like he hadn't opened the envelope. He didn't know if the lyrics were any good. He just handed us like, here, go write some music for this. That is cool. Yeah. And, and so, the lyrics, he read the lyrics, it's like, Rocket Man, Rocket Man, I'm a Rocket Man, Rocket Man, Rocket Man, I'm a Rocket Man. And look what he turned man. it into. Rocket Man, Rocket Man, Saturday Night's all right. Bernie needs help. <laughs> and he's like, I reckon we could do some of this, maybe. I reckon this is good enough for two songs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's how they met shortly after uh, this initial kind of correspondence and a writing partnership grew from there. Towards the end of that year, 1967, Reg was going by the name Elton John, and this was an homage 
to two of his fellow members of Bluesology, Elton Dean and John Baldry. So he's just taken two names. Uh, an homage slash. It's like, hey, we're not dead. We're still trying to make a music career as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll use your well, name. Would you are be honoured or would you be weirded out? Are they still playing? Like, are they backing him up? So now it's Elton and John supporting Elton John. <laughs> so, nah. guys, I'm starting a new podcast, um, but I'm going to now call myself Jess David. <laughs> Is that cool? I love it because, and I, it, you couldn't have said that at better timing because I'm also starting a new podcast, <gasps> but I'm going to refer to myself as Dave Matthews. <laughs> oh, that's right. Banned. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, you've been banned. Yeah. My podcast is all about naughty things. Oh. <laughs> Dave Matthews banned up late. <laughs> Are you going to be catching a few trains in the daytime? You naughty person. Couldn't say it. I'm bad. <laughs> Um, Were you gonna call me a naughty girl and you stopped yourself? Yeah, that felt real. That was probably a right, real wrong. Yeah, that's probably the right reaction. But that's not even your bit. What's your bit? You don't sound good like girl. a good girl. You don't sound like a good, good guy. guy. You, sound you sound like, like a, a good, good girl. girl. It's a genuine conversation I had. That was good fun. But the best comedy comes from truth and tragedy. That's also true. Um, so yeah, it's true. I guess it is a little bit weird that he's taken their names as an homage. But usually it would be like to much more like famous people from the past. Often, you know, that's a homage. Not to these are my two mates. Can yeah, steal their names. Obviously, they meant a lot to him, uh, or he just liked their names. <laughs> that's really only something Elton John could tell us. Your names meant a lot to him, and me. he joins us right now. Hello. Uh, any questions? <laughs> Why did you choose Elton John? Mm, uh, I'm a rocket man. Uh, I'm a rocket man, uh, crocodile rocket man, rocket man. Thank you so much, Elton John. I imagine you're very busy, so you must be. That busy. appearance cost us $85,000. <laughs> <laughs> Money well spent, I reckon. <laughs> I just wanted to add a little something to my podcast report, yep. you know? Yep. A little, how you say, how you say. Elton, how do you say? Certain, oh, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> Did not know he was fluent in French, and oh, I, I did, or a, a gangster. I yeah. did not get any of that in my research, so that's something that we can only get from the source. That's funny because I've never heard him talk before now, and I, that has surprised me that that's what he sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I'd have no idea if, yeah, if if he talked in a different way, I would not have been surprised as well. Yeah, but that is how he talks. It's much like Adele, you know, sings like an angel, talks like Adele. <laughs> it's very confusing, <laughs> but. Uh... <laughs> Float like a butterfly, sing like a bee, sing like an angel, talk like a Dale. <laughs> Someone contacted me recently and said they were listening to me on Triple J and I sounded very different to how I sound on here. Really? Honestly, my first thought was like different equipment, maybe. Just I Triple think... J, you do, they, don't they make you talk like uh, Triple J? Do your Triple J voice? It's this. This is my Triple J voice. Yeah. See? Triple J. Yeah, that was so... Through a filter. I mean, there's how commercial do you put radio vo- voice. But I don't do that because Triple J is. It's cool. probably just because you're talking uh, different words. Yeah, and I'm not telling not people to get things. fucked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Matt, they don't recognize your voice without the swear words. Hmm. <laughs> I like to keep it interesting. <laughs> and uh, that was the latest one from Ario Speedwagon. Some fuckhead. All right. <laughs> Got him. I don't, I don't do that. I'm a professional. Do you, do you still play Ario Speedwagon? Yeah. I haven't tuned into the Jays in a while. Yeah, well, you're too old for the Jays now. Yeah. 
Our target demographic's 18 to 25 and you're 106. I listen to single J. <laughs> you, as, as you get older, you lose your Js. Yeah. <sighs> you're in negative three Js. Yeah. You'd just about be double J now, Dave, I reckon. Well, apparently, it's, is that really 18 to 25? Yeah. Yep. So you're too old for your own station. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Don't tell management. The bosses don't know how old I am. Isn't one of your bosses about 72? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Everybody shut up. <laughs> I'm imagining this bit's getting edited out. I need this job. <laughs> shut up. Anyway, okay. So, uh, yeah, so this is the end of 1967. He's going by Elton John, but it wasn't until 1972 that he legally changed his name. Oh, right. Do you know his middle name that he chose? No, I don't. Danger? Elton Hercules John. Oh, that is Poirot incredible. Fan. Yeah, Danger would have been good though. Elton Danger John. Did you hear that Macaulay Culkin put out a poll to let people choose his middle name? No, that's fun. So he put it out, people gave him suggestions, he picked five that he liked uh, and then he put that to a vote and by an absolute landslide his middle name is now Macaulay Culkin. So he's Macaulay, Macaulay, Culkin, Culkin. Correct. That's fun. And so now he's he's really looking forward to anybody being like, are you Macaulay Culkin? He goes, please, Macaulay Culkin is my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> that Isn't that funny. wild? So and that he, was one of the five that he chose to put up. Yeah. Isn't that great? One was publicity stunt and nobody <laughs> voted for that. Huh. So his name is Macaulay, Macaulay, Culkin, Culkin, and that he legally funny. changed it. Matt, you'd be up for a... Uh... Letting the podcast listeners vote on your new middle name. We let them decide I got a tattoo. It's only fair that they can legally change your middle name. (laughs) Maybe the Patreon subscribers. Well, I think we know what it's going to be. Macaulay Culkin. Diane. (laughs) I was thinking, yeah, Macaulay Culkin. (laughs) Matthew James Macaulay Culkin. Gary would be Gary Indiana. (laughs) Gary. Gary is the best. Greg's Pastries (laughs) with two Gs. Greg's. Three Gs. (laughs) Anyway, so. Elton John and Bernie Taupin joined Dick James's DJM Records as staff songwriters in 1968. Right. So just to confirm, Bernie, I don't know much about him. Is he also English? Yes. Okay, great. Yep. Cool. Didn't know. Um, uh, over the next two years, they wrote songs together for a variety of artists. The way they would work is and still work is pretty insane. Bernie would write out a bunch of lyrics within about an hour, give them to Elton. Elton would write the music to go with it in about half an hour. They're just like smashing out. That's not uh, the timeline isn't the same as how they work now, but back then because they're just trying to they're just trying to churn out music and churn out songs to then like pitch to artists. They're just going through it so fast. Um, for two years, they wrote easy listening tunes for uh, Dick James to pedal to singers, and their early output included a contender for the UK entry for Eurovision in 1969. Nice. Um, it was for Lulu and it was called I Can't Go On Living Without You. Right. So contender, does that mean it was shortlisted? So. Yeah, it was like they they narrow it down to six and it was like sixth out of those six. Six. Top six. Top six. So it came last. Yep. Hey, of six. Mate, top six, please. Yeah. You would have hated that six. Yeah, that does annoy me a bit. I've heard of but top fives. then if you had them in like, like I'm imagining them as cubes and then you got three and three. I don't mind that. Okay. Yeah, my brain doesn't make sense, okay? I don't quite get how that's a cube, but I... A song is a cube, obviously. Everyone knows <laughs> a song is a cube. That is a good name for a song. Why do I have to explain this to you? Sorry, you don't. A song is a cube and people are complicated, <laughs> okay? Matt, you're not a de- in a demographic. Yeah, you don't get it. You don't get it. 
Sorry. People Frank- your age don't understand that songs are cubes. Frankly, neither do I. Songs are stackable cubes. I am, yep. Oh, that was the latest cube from Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> <laughs> so they are churning out music, which is um, pretty insane. But yeah, even even so, they wrote together for like forty, fifty years. That's ha- always how they worked. Bernie, they never sat in the room and wrote a song together. Never. That, yeah, that is interesting. Bernie would write the lyrics, give them to Elton. Elton would write the music. Send a telegram. Well, they used to mail it to each other. I'm hoping, you know, as the times progressed, they would email. I would hope because they could be any – because Elton could be touring. He'd be anywhere in the world. Bernie wasn't touring with him. Pretty amazing. So, Bernie, at some point, Bernie, this is one of the weirdest lyrics. Or I, I, There's something about this lyric that means I kind of like this song. But Bernie Taupin wrote, um, living like lovers, rolling like thunder under the covers. Is that under the covers? <laughs> and I guess that's why they call it the blues. Laughing like children. Wait, what's happening here, Living Bernie? Living like lovers. Wait, children and what? <laughs> Obviously, it, like when you hear the song, you go, you just go along with it. But yeah. imagine if you'd never heard the word, the music before, all you've got is a piece of paper that says those words on it. Yeah, rolling he's, like thunder. He's done it again. <laughs> Rolling like thunder under the covers. Yeah, I'm imagining I Elton, like it. Elton gets and he goes, oh, fucking hell, all right. <laughs> Got a bit of work to do to make this sound okay. Yeah, imagine how good the songs could have been if uh, someone wrote great lyrics. <laughs> What's the thing too? I was watching a doco about it and Bernie was talking about when he wrote your song, your song. My song. Your song. Yeah. Um, Which is called Clickety Clack, The Boys Are Back, <laughs> Shiggity Shack, and Here We Go, Wack-a-dack-a-dack, Ding-a-dong-dong. <laughs> Yeah, it's a long it's title. It's song. We've been meaning to talk about Bracket. That. Oh, boy. <laughs> Look, I hear Here that. for a good time, not a long time. Let's get her done, <laughs> sunny sun. Bracket. <laughs> I, get, I hear that and I think, he's done it again. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Wow. He's got away. So what was he saying in the doco, though? He was talking about when he, he, when he wrote your song and he's like, it's, it's this song that's all about love, but I was like 17... You know, had no experience. That's how... I had no idea what I was talking about when he originally wrote it. Yeah, wow, it wasn't released until a little bit later. But because that, yeah, that's one. That's like maybe his most iconic, almost one of them. Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. And it's really interesting too because a lot of the and I'll get to it. Bit of sizzle. A lot of the most iconic songs are his early work. Yeah, which is pretty impressive. Like you, a lot of artists, you kind of hear their early stuff and you're like, eh, but they get really good. Whereas, for example, Pantera. Yeah, that's true. I reckon when pop, it it feels like these days, it's if you don't have a big hit album early, you, you rarely do bands um, get discovered mid career or have a big breakthrough. It feels like a, a lot of first singles are big singles, and it's weird how as musicians would probably be getting better by learning to be better musicians. That's when their popularity starts to drop. Usually, mm. that must be frustrating, I imagine. But that's sort of like pop music and rock and stuff is a it's kind of a, you know, most big hits ever were written by people under 30, I would think. Most big hits ever. I'd say. I'd say the majority. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of artists who died before they even hit 30. So what you're saying is Dave and I are in our prime. Uh, As songwriters. I'm just saying the clock's ticking. Right. You've got a year and a half before you are donezo. <sighs> okay. In the rock world. Jess? Yep. I'll write some words down and you can make a tune to it. Okay, every tune is going to be. What do you think? Oh, great. All right, I'll try and put this to it. Uh, Big Feather Down, 119. 
Have a go. What does that mean, Dave? Um, sorry, just 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 write it. This, <laughs> this is, how... is why. No, we can't do this in the same room. This is how Bernie. Can did you it. just email these to me? Fine, I'll, write, I'll email you. Big feather down one one nine. Dave doesn't make art. He lets art flow through yeah, him. Yeah, he's just a vessel. Don't in, ask questions. Decade, just a vessel. In decades, that will be absolutely classic. Dave is just an empty vessel. You're an empty vessel. Fantastic example of one of my earlier songs. You're an empty vessel. One one nine. It's like a, a robot's writing music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, you know, stay relevant when the computers take over. Oh, I like that. Smart thing in I would have thought you'd go ones and zeros, not nine. No, but... no, no. They're going to develop. Also, I'm speaking to my uh, my German ancestors. So. Ah. Nine. Got it. Thank you. I didn't need Thank to explain you. it. Um, <laughs> also in the late 60s, Elton John was engaged to be married to his first lover. What a weird sentence there. Sorry about that. Are they rolling like thunder? No. Under the covers. Good. That's, that's good stuff. It was Linda Woodrow who's mentioned in the song Someone Saved My Life Tonight. Elton and Lisa were sharing a flat with Bernie in Furlong Road in Highbury in London. Hence the opening line, when I think of those East End lights. Bernie really wrote from what he knew. Mm. And so he's living with a couple and then writing about the couple. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And then isn't giving it? the words. Here. <laughs> the way Here, you I, looked in that blouse tonight. Yeah, I wrote a song for you to dedicate to your girlfriend who's just sitting over there. And then the girlfriend's like, Oh, you wrote a song about me, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit creepy. I prefer if Elton had a crack. No? Oh All my right. God, now I want to have a friend move in with me. <laughs> I just want a friend. <laughs> I realised how sad and desperate that sounded. Yep. Anyway. Just imagine how good Elton's lyrics are if he, when he's getting Bernie's lyrics, goes, this is the good stuff. Yeah. Rolling like thunder under the covers. I could never think of that. God, he's good. Um, uh, Elton was having serious doubts about uh, about the impending marriage um, to Linda and uh, – he, oh, yeah. He was having he was having a lot of uh, issues at the time. He was having doubts about the marriage. He was contemplating suicide. Like he was very. It was a quite a dark time for him. And he took refuge in his friends, especially John Baldry, who is the John of Elton John. Um, and he convinced Elton to abandon his plans to marry in order to salvage and maintain his musical career. So he was like, "What my friend Christie says: if if it isn't a hell yes, it's a no." <laughs> I like that. That's a good motto. Yeah. I've used that a lot since she said it. So he's like, hey, look, if it's not right, call it off and focus on you and your music. Can I uh, get you a drink? Um, yeah, yeah. No, no that's a no. Sorry. That's a no. Sorry. Sorry. But imagine if you were someone who answered hell yes to something like that. Can I get you a drink? Oh, hell yes. <laughs> hell yeah. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> I just meant water. It's t- uh-huh. 10 in the morning. I'm getting coffee. <laughs> Uh, hell yeah! <laughs> hell yeah! Okay. I'm also a slave to the bean. <laughs> so, I, yeah, okay, bad example. Anyway, <laughs> so it wasn't until 1969. Nice, Matt. <laughs> I wrote nice. Right, you don't want to miss an opportunity. Don't want to miss that. That oh. is. This is why you did the report, I imagine. 1969, yeah. Summer of Love. Mm. That's when. Summer of the Moon. Uh, Woodstock and. Also, Summer of the Moon, that's good stuff. Summer of the Moon. Summer of the Moon. Matt, it's Summer of the Moon. Get your butts out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. 
1969 that Elton released his first solo album. It was titled Empty Sky. Oh, did it burn anything of that? Love it. Brooding. Um, and it attracted little attention and wasn't really all that well received. Um, so for their follow-up album. See that, Matt? He doesn't always have to be hit first first go. Any hits any future hits on there? Ah, uh, or I don't I don't think so. I think it I, I think wrong, it's but... I think it's changed. I think you maybe in the past you had more of a chance. Like I know Bruce Springsteen had a pretty slow build up before he got huge. I think that used to be more common for artists to sort of build. Yeah. But now so I, you sort of build a fan base in your city kind yeah, of Yeah. I think it's changed now and it's more like you your first album's you know, there's pressure on for you to make a big bang early, I believe. Well, Elton was a little bit different, I think, um, because, uh, well, I'll talk about it here. So he's, the follow-up album was called Elton John. Love it. And Elton and Bernie. Elton John love it? Because <laughs> that is a great title. Elton John. End title. Oh, sorry. I was waiting for the title. I was waiting for the love. Is that in brackets? I hate both of you so much. (laughs) Elton John, end title. I hate both of you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Please stop writing this down, Gary. Stop. It's just called Elton John. Oh, my God. He's still fucking writing. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, you're fired. Yeah, you're fired. What do you think? What do you think about a a non debut album with a self title? That happens a bit. I always find that an interesting choice. Into your career, and you go. This is my self-titled album. Mm. Yeah, I find it a bit strange. It's kind of like um, I'm going to call my fifth solo show Jess Perkins. <laughs> it's kind of like you I'm could not do five. You could think of something more more interesting early on, but now you've run out of good titles. Yeah. That's what that says to me. Right. No, but I still wouldn't default to my name. I'd go for things like spaghetti. You know, <laughs> there's options. Banana. Yeah. Right. Etc. Yeah. I'm so sweaty. It's yeah. really hot. And I know we complain about that constantly, but I'm hot and I'm dying. In about in a few weeks, this studio is going to be cooler. Yep. Great. But... Just in time for winter. Can I wait? <laughs> yeah, Just perfect. in time. Will it also work as a heater? Yes. Fuck yes. That is good news. Woo! <laughs> anyway, so they've, they're now they're working on Elton John. And Elton and Bernie enlisted uh, Gus Dudgeon as their producer and Paul Buckmaster. <laughs> They didn't have, they couldn't afford producers, fine, but don't treat us like idiots and make up these weird D&D game names. Dungeon and Paul Buckmaster. <laughs> That's why I thought of Dungeons and Dragons because it sounds dungeon. like Dungeon, damn it. I assumed I was reading it wrong. I'm like, no, it's a Dungeon. Well, our, our limited experience with Dungeons and Dragons, I think every character is either called Dungeon or Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Or Gus. There's two families. Yeah, I assume that's, that's how it goes. Um, Paul Buckmaster was the musical engineer and uh, they'd kind of gone to um, Dick James. I'm Dick James, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to say that before, but I missed my chance. Yeah, you did it. Hey, good stuff. They went to him for for money to finance this and he was kind of like, look, it's it's expensive for what they're wanting to do because they were using like full orchestras and, and, and stuff like that to put together this album. But they're like, we'll take a, we'll take a gamble. So it's right. quite so, so a big budget. Right, second album, they're investing big in the yeah. second one. That's pretty impressive. Second album, big budget. Um, Elton John was released in April of 1970. Where was he in prison? <laughs> I knew that was coming. The what album. Oh, this is confusing. That's why you don't self-title albums. Right. Um. The album was released. He renamed himself by deed poll the album. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah. Middle name Hercules. <laughs> the Hercules album. 
And desperate to get some uh, to get some attention for the album, Dick James sent copies to his contacts in the US, and one landed in the lap of Russ Regan. Mate, he was so desperate for attention for this album that he sent it to people. Mate, back off. <laughs> Clingy. Oh, um, mate, all oh. right. Matt, just play us a bit over the phone. Just be cool. Gross, mate, back off. Yeah. I'm Not calling the cops. Oh, post, yuck. So it landed in the lap of Russ Regan, who was a president of UNI Records, and he was so impressed and he remembers thanking God and thinking it was one of the greatest albums he'd ever heard. What? This is, but this is in a more modern interview with Russ, and I reckon you would be like, oh, I knew straight away yeah. it was the best. If he was like, no, I'll give it a go, he wouldn't say that, would he? He'd be I, like, I, can, I smell talent. I've heard albums that I've really enjoyed first up, but I've never gone... This is going to change everything. Yeah, I've never thanked God. It usually no. takes, I reckon, three or four full goes before you can get a proper opinion. Maybe he did give it three or four proper goes. And he thanked God three or four proper times. But anyway, he was like, we have to bring this guy to America. So Dick James had already taken a gamble on Elton approving a large budget, like I mentioned, but with the enthusiasm from Russ and the American music world, he decided to take one last gamble and fund a trip for Elton and the band to go to America. I like the idea that so funding this album he thought was the big gamble and he's like, all right, we haven't released it, hasn't paid off. <laughs> Let's chuck it in. Oh, what, you want more money to promote the album now? <laughs> you want people to hear it? All right, here's more money. Chase it, throwing good money after bad. But it was sink or swim. It was like, if you don't, if this doesn't work, then. Yeah, if this doesn't work, I will throw you in the river. You're donezos. Yeah. Which river, Dave? The Hudson. Oh, okay. Keep going down. I'm not going to fly you home to drown you, am I? I'm going to just get someone there to. Yeah. It was the original miracle on the Hudson when (laughs) Elton John was thrown into the river and not a single life was lost. (laughs) Mm. Someone saved his life that night. Yeah, he landed on a a mustachioed pilot named... (laughs) What was his name? Burger. What's his name? Sully. Sully Burger. (laughs) (laughs) Burger? We remembered each remembered half of his name. Brilliant. (laughs) All right, so he's gone... To America. He's in LA and the record company in the US were keen to present Elton as someone who was already a star in the UK to kind of help build buzz. Like, oh, he's huge. We're lucky to have him. But really, like, he wasn't getting much attention at home. Um, Hell yeah. That, we did that on our UK tour as well. I'm no like, one cares we're about huge. us here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea that uh, there was a time not that long ago where you could pretend something like that. Yeah. Now you just be like, do a quick Google search like, no, you're not. Yeah. Well, uh, a, a guy in England recently went viral because he organised an American tour in light. Did you read the, about that? The metal guy? Yeah, the metal guy. Yeah, I read about that while we were in England. That was wild. Booked in a whole trip by basically creating all these Facebook accounts and making his band look like they're popular and faking all these streams and stats. And then when he got... And high, also f- faking ticket sales. So he said that there were pre-sales. Yeah, investing all his own money, hiring like session musicians to back him up who were really excited to go over there when they get there. There's zero people at the gigs. And so then, what would, I don't know what point? his plan was. Yeah. No, I don't know at what point did he think that it was, yeah. But, and then the interview that I read with him, he was a bit like, I controlled all of this. I even tipped off the media that this was fake. It's like, you are a douche. I, guess it, I mean, that is one way of getting some sort of attention, I suppose. But, yeah, it feels like that's a... Kind of backfired. Maybe just make good music, I reckon. I mean... Steph- that's the thing he did. He wrote, he wrote an album called... Elton John. (laughs) (laughs) And it goes a little something. (laughs) Sadly, he was just pipped to the post. (laughs) 
Um, anyway, so yeah, they're, they're trying to make him seem like he's he's already quite famous. But Elton and Bernie were quite the opposite. Their reality was sharing a bedroom uh, in a little flat in the London suburbs. Like they're not big stars, but they're being treated like they are. So Elton had a week-long run of shows at the Troubadour Club in L.A., and the record label ensured that the who's who in the music industry was there to see him. Including the who. The who were there. Um, the first show was a massive success. Oh. He smashed it out of the park. Word quickly spread about him. There was a, um, I've forgotten his name now, there's a reporter who was talking about seeing the show. And it was at a- Richard Wilkins. <laughs> Thank you, Yes. <laughs> I see big things for him. Um, he was talking about how this venue, the Troubadour, isn't wasn't like the rock and roll or the pop kind of venue. It was like a singer songwriter. You'd go there, and Joni Mitchell played there all the time. And but they've brought oh, okay. one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Yeah, totally. But like it was more, it was a bit more of a mellow club, and they've brought him in, and he just sort of like rocked it out. Um, uh, crocodile rocked it out. Yeah, crocodile rocked it out. The first, the album's first single, Border Song, peaked at ninety two on the Billboard. Hot 100. The second single, Your Song, reached number seven in the UK and number eight in the US, becoming his first hit single as a singer. And the album soon became his first hit album, reaching number four on the US Billboard 200 and uh, number five on the UK album chart. So his his second single, well, true, second album was Your Song. That's early days, though, Mm. for a for a, a career that spanned decades. Um, and with this newfound success, Elton's stage presence and confidence grew quite suddenly. Um, they, I remember somebody, I think it was one of the guys from Bluesology talking about seeing him on TV and they were interviewed, oh, he's, uh, introduced as Elton John and he looked at it and he's like, that's not Elton John, that's Reggie Dwight. <laughs> but he just like. That's my fucking name. <laughs> he kind of became this Elton John kind of character, I guess. And over the following years he became known for his, uh, you know, larger-than-life shows and his extravagant costumes from Feathers to Donald Duck. <laughs> he dressed he's in a Donald Duck costume one show. <laughs> from Feathers to another feathered outfit. <laughs> he wanted uh, his shows to be unlike anything people had seen before and he had the confidence to do what he wanted and not care what other people said. And even quite recently, this is a quote from him, he said, I want people to be astounded when I come on stage and I want people to be astounded when I leave the stage. <laughs> oh, my God, he's gone. <laughs> what the <Whoa>! hell just happened? <laughs> I am astounded. <laughs> okay, so this is just like a summary of the next, I guess, a few years, summary of the next few albums. So next they did a concept album called Tumbleweed Connection. <laughs> I haven't heard that, but that is a great concept. <laughs> it was a country-western Americana theme. Wow, okay. I mean, you've just, just started to make it. Yeah, you've only been to L.A., but you're like, no, I know all about this, this land. I'm Americana. That is, yeah, your belief in yourself is high. Yeah. I am a genius. <laughs> It was released in 1970 and it reached number two in the UK and number five in the US. So okay, it, it well, was very popular. I'm a fool. Um, yes, you are, but that's unrelated. <laughs> Matt, high five me. <laughs> Matt, high five her. Thank you. Two good high fives. Let's but not go for At least three. I felt part of that. <laughs> the next one was Madman Across the Water. Man Man or Mad Man? Mad Man. Right. Man Man. Man Man Across the Water is pretty good. Man Man. <laughs> I'll name it. Uh, Makes more sense man, than the last title. Man. 
<laughs> what do you mean? Tumbleweed, tumbleweed connection. connection. That's great. That's a Kermit. Yeah. Kermit Reeves. The tumbleweed connection. Lovers. <laughs> rolling like thunder <laughs> under the covers. <laughs> one and one nine. Me. <laughs> one one nine. <laughs> 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 so Mad Men Across the Water came out in 1971. It was his next album. It reached number eight in the US and produced one of his most successful songs, the album's opening track, Tiny Dancer. Oh, a great song. Blue Jean, baby. LA Lady. <laughs> Seamstress. For the, for the band. band. <laughs> Thank you. I mean. Bernie, you've done it again. Oh, God, he's good. <laughs> there must have been other songwriters on the side going, maybe I could get in there and. Yeah. Have a go. I, I could throw some words out. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, Bernie's my good luck jar. Uh, blue, Jean, baby, <laughs> <laughs> LA, lady. Huh? He's huh? just writing down things he sees. How are you getting this? He's like, he'll never use this, but well, I'll dump mm. my pages for the day. <laughs> yeah, he just had a word count every day. <laughs> pirate smile. Is it pirate smile? Yeah. Good. That is, a, that is a great tune. Oh, it's amazing. Um, love a builder. Love a big build. Yeah. Hold me closer, tiny dancer. Uh, I had a feeling this episode would result in a fair bit of singing from moi. <laughs> <laughs> the next one was released in 1972. It was called Honky Chateau. <laughs> love it. Became his uh, his first US number one album. Spent five weeks at the top of the Billboard 200. That's big, baby. And began a streak of seven consecutive US number one albums. Holy shit. Isn't that massive? Yeah, that's wild. Crazy. Seven in a row. Reached number two in the UK and uh, it spawned the hits like Honky Cat and Rocket Man. You familiar with Rocket Man? (laughs) I've never heard that one, but I've heard Honky Cat. Of course. Honky Cat. Bernie, what? Bernie, are you okay? <laughs> Bernie, um, all right, Bernie, I need an album title. Honky Chateau. Great, you've done it again. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> 
and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. God, he's good. And sign that over. Give the artwork to the record executive. <laughs> Get back, honky cat. My goodness, this is so good. <laughs> I reckon we've just penned our first number one album. Benny, you've done it again. <laughs> now, uh, the next album was a pop album called Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player. That's good. That's probably his best title so yeah. far. Don't shoot me, I'm just the piano the player. player. Shoot the other guy with the gun. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a gun. <laughs> um, uh, it came out at the start of 1973, reached number one in the UK, the US, and here in Australia. Um, number oh, the big three. <laughs> the album <laughs> produced hits like Crocodile Rock, which was his first US Billboard Hot and we're back. Um, we actually had to cut out 45 minutes there. Um, yeah, but we left in the best part. We left in a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty glad I coughed there. I did not know how to get out. Oh my, my dad always told me. <coughs> oh, we're all bloody coughing. <coughs> That crocodile went the wrong way down Matt's throat. <laughs> My dad always told me, Big Elton John fan, don't know if this is true, but um, that he was inspired to write Crocodile Rock because he was inspired by the Daddy Cool song, Eagle uh, Rock. Yes, I Aussie, heard that as well. Aussie classic. He was like, oh, that's a really good song. I should write my own sort of style of that. So he wrote the Crocodile Rock, which I imagine world, worldwide is much more famous. Yeah. So he just takes things from other people. He's a taker. <laughs> Elton, John. So did we, or would, I mean, if Bernie's writing the words, did Bernie do yeah. the snatching? Yeah, I guess so. He, he said to Bernie, I reckon that's a really cool kind of song. We should write something like that. And Bernie the next day just handed him a piece of paper that said Crocodile Rock. <laughs> do it, the Crocodile Rock. You know, Bernie, this sounds pretty similar, but I'll go with you. Just do it. Shut up. Um, okay. So next was Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, which was released in 73. This is like, uh, that's his second album in the same year. So Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player came out at the start of 73. Towards the end of 73, he's got another one out. And they're both By contract, he's, got a, he's doing two a year. Oh, he has to. Yeah. But That's... also he's actually doing more than that. Apparently, I read somewhere across the space of three years he released like seven albums, which is only an extra one. But anyway. Well, like still. Heaps. So many. But he was talking about it. He was like, you know, I was young and it's just that young adrenaline. And mm. you only have that for so long and for such a certain period of your career. So you just kind of go with it. Yeah, I guess that's smart. In some ways it's like, oh, space it out, mate. But yeah. maybe maybe the Flood public. the market. The public may have gotten over him, you know. You just don't know. 
maybe that kind of music goes out of style or whatever. So maybe it's best to just because now he's the rest of his career is just playing the hits of those first fifteen years or whatever. How how many years when he was like on the top of his game? Oh, well, seven in a row of number one. So you're but that's seven in three years then, right? God. Well, he he just he keeps going from here. Okay. We're only about uh, three-ish years since his first album, Uh, and it gets bigger. Um, So this album, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, gained instant critical acclaim and topped the charts on both sides of the Atlantic, and it remained at number one for two months. Um, It also kind of established him as a glam rock star, and it contained uh, the songs Benny and the Jets, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Candle in the Wind, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting and Funeral for a Friend. Holy shit. That's a big album. That is and that is sort of his iconic album. Oh, it's the only so. album title I've recognized so far. Yeah, right. Man Man Across the River. Oh, sorry, Man Man. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. That and Man Man. <laughs> Obviously, the big two. Um this is just something kind of interesting. In in nineteen seventy four he collaborated with John Lennon on a cover of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Um and the B-side was Lennon's One Day at a Time. And in return, uh, Elton John was featured on Whatever Gets You Through the Night on Lennon's Walls and Bridges album. Crack and tune. <clears throat> Later that year, in what would be uh, one of John Lennon's last major live performances, the pair performed these two number one hits, along with the Beatles, I Saw Her Standing There, at Madison Square Garden in New York. And John Lennon rarely made stage appearances by that stage, um, but he did appear with Elton John and his band to keep the promise he'd made that he would appear on stage with him if whatever gets you through the night became a US number one. <laughs> so he's yeah, like, okay. I'll do it if it gets to number one. It did, and he's like, ah, all right. <laughs> Gosh. Love Isn't that, that kind of wild? What a gig to be at that would have been. Yeah. Um, You'll be dining out on that story for the rest of your life. To, I was there. I was there. It's like when people tell you they saw the Beatles in Melbourne. It's like, Phew. Isn't that wild? Absolutely I, wild. I saw Franz Ferdinand at Festival Hall, so it's similar. I saw the Foo Fighters there. It was Festival Hall where they played, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I saw on the 50th anniversary, I saw a Beatles cover band play at Festival Hall. Were they good? Yeah, they were that were great. Cool. You know, for because if you're going to put that on, you'd yeah. want it to be like it was a really well. good Beatles oh, cover band. Wild that you'd get so many people. Yeah. I guess it's because of the event and everything, and they yeah the the anniversary. That's kind of cool. Just a bit of fun. Bit of fun. So to celebrate five years since he'd first appeared at the venue in 1975, Elton John played a two night four show stand at the Troubadour, where he first went over to LA. So he's done all of this in five years, all these huge albums. Um, seating was limited to under 500 per show, so the chance to buy a ticket was determined by a lottery with each winner allowed two tickets. Um, everyone who attended the performance received a hardbound yearbook of the band's history. It was like this big thing. During that trip, he also received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and performed two sellout shows at Dodger Stadium the first music act to perform there since the Beatles nine years earlier. Right. And with a star, he would have been pretty young to get a... Yeah, he's about um, 27, 28. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yep. So when he got there and they and they gave him the star, they declared it Elton John week. <laughs> it was 
ins- it was huge. So they that every, every time someone gets a star, is that that person went, Clint Eastwood week. I mean, I've never heard anybody else celebrate Elton John week since. <laughs> every week. How long is every that Every year, strip? I mean. There must, because it feels like everyone's got a star there. Matt, salt on the wounds. We don't have one. Come on, oh, you guys don't have one. There's thousands. Oh, get fucked. How'd you get one? How'd you get one, mate? I've, I've been around the block a few times. Yeah, you're a bit older than us. This is my first bloody radio. We'll get one. I did a sellout tour of Dodger Stadium once. 100,000 people turned up to see him. Is that ha- Wow. 100,000 people. God. It is wild. This is only, again, five years after his first album. It's yes, but insane. Also, he's had seven number one albums. It feels like if anyone's going to sell out a 100,000 seater. Totally, but it's just such a short period of time. Mm. Like if you think about what you were doing five years ago, it doesn't feel that far away, but you're like, Jesus, what am I going to do in the next five? What What is it? Because Adele, doesn't she release albums with her age? Only, um, no. Oh. She's not doing that anymore. Um, she's done the trilogy. What, so what were they? 19, 21, 25. So that were her first three albums. I think so, yeah. Yeah. 19, 21, 25. Yeah. So first three albums in? That age span. Dave? 19. Six years. 21, 25. The middle one doesn't matter that much. Yeah. 19, 25. How many are we talking here? Obviously, three. give or take. Three albums. In how many years? Six years. I literally just said that. It's a bit different. Well, I just wanted a confirmation from somebody. And also, I think it's longer than that because it's... <laughs> It's the the age she was when she started recording the album, right? So often it takes a couple of years. I, th- I think that la- that last one took her two or three years to yeah, put out. Yeah, I heard in it. Well, she did an interview with Graham Norton, and he was like, "Are you going to just keep going until you're 95?" And she was like, "Nah, I'm stopping there. I believe in trilogies, which I love. I believe in trilogies." Oh no, no, they're a myth for sure. If Bernie thought that, he'd write it down. But we believe in triptiches. Yeah, I do believe in that. Yes. So yes. we're not so different, Adele this- and I. That's why there's three of us on the show. We are a triptych yeah. of podology. <gasps> Adele believes in us. In us? Isn't that how she talks? Not us. She can say us. Can you? She's Adele. Go on. Us. Huh. There you go. Unbelievable. I believe in us. Do you reckon Adele and I could be friends? Genuine question. She seems fun. She does seem fun. Yeah, that's why I'm going to say no. But not like, not. not like a party Ouch. Not like a like a crazy partier like Lindsay Lohan 10 years ago, you know? Yeah. Like I feel like Adele would very happily just have like a glass of wine and her She's PJs and we'd watch movies and More stuff. like Lindsay Lohan 10 years from now. God, I hope so. I really hope there's, there's positivity for her future. I do. <laughs> That's positivity in the future. I do want that for her. Quiet glass of wine. That's what we all want. That's what we all want. For Lindsay. Matching PJs with your best friend, mm. Adele. Hello. I'm Adele. He's Adele. Anyway, so besides being the most commercially successful period, 1970 to 1976 is also uh, held in the most regard critically. So it's like people love it, but so do the critics. Um, And this is what I was talking about before. With only a three-year span between 72 and 75, he saw seven consecutive albums reach number one in the US, something which had not been accomplished before. So he's, he's exploded. But as with literally every story we've ever heard about musicians or actors or any kind of performer who reaches some kind of level of fame and success, he struggled with the fame, the pressure of travelling, the rock and roll lifestyle, which included a lot of drugs and alcohol. So he exploded. He Made a real mess. Yeah. Um, Even, uh, this is in a doco I was watching, even the night before 
the show at Dodger Stadium. Having flown, he flew his parents and grandparents and some friends over from the UK. Oh, no wonder he could sell hundred thousand. He's flying the crowd in. <laughs> yeah, ninety eight thousand were imports. He sold his. He he brought in his parents and grandparents. Um, we're looking at like four people. How many more tickets do you need to sell after that? Yeah. Like seven or eight. You're a long way there Done. now. That's what we should be doing: is flying in our parents. Flying in our parents. Yeah. <laughs> My dad's a plane. My dad's a rocket man. <laughs> Dave, what's your dad? Some sort of hel- helichopter. Helichopter. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, to me that I'm picturing like a flying dinosaur. Yeah. Um, um, um. Yeah, that's me, Dad. <laughs> He's a helichopter. There he is. Hi, Dad. He's here to pick me up. What's you he like? Fly him into Dodger Stadium. Yeah, he killed a lot of people that day. <laughs> So he's um yeah he's it's a big deal he's flown his family over but um it, this is the night before he took an overdose of pills apparently like an attempt on his own life um obviously he recovered well enough to perform that's pretty impressive that's a mate it's so weird and uh, surreal Russ Reagan was saying uh, this is a quote from him he said um. He never showed it on stage. That expression, the show must go on, he did that. He got on stage and you'd never even know he was depressed. God, that is so sad. Because then now you're going to watch all your favourite artists like, but how are you? This show's amazing, but are you okay? Um, Dr. Stage. Dr. Stage. Uh, Keep in mind he was 28 years old and in in the span of five years he'd gone from quiet and reserved Reg Dwight to the biggest pop star in the world. I'm jealous of him, yet he's suicidal. It's like, oh, gosh. Mm. It's pretty, um, I don't envy them. uh, Yeah, no, that that level of fame is uh, beyond what I would ever want. (laughs) That is. And beyond what you'll ever get, to be fair. Do you think so? (laughs) Are you telling me that by 28, which is the age I Have you heard Dave sing? <clears throat> rocket man, rocket man, and uh, I hope we pass the audition. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you so much. I think we just cut your first hit record. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have it's a five seconds of me singing Rocket Man. Straight loop that, one. loop it, <laughs> loop it, loop it, good. <laughs> No, but that, in all honesty, though, that level of success, 100,000 people coming to see, it's, that is overwhelming for anyone. Yeah, I, Especially no way. 28, and like you say, five years earlier, Jesse's living in a, I assume he's still living in a one-bedroom flat with Bernie. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he's... That's no, actually, where it all went wrong. He's, when he flew out his family and stuff, they were staying in his house in LA, so he's already got a couple of properties. Oh, it's just crazy. I would like a really slow success. Yeah, I want to... You should peak in your 90s, I reckon. I want to. <laughs> Me, personally? Yeah. Yeah, that's when I'll do my best work. In the 2080s. Wow. Do you reckon I'll live that long, Dave? Hell yeah. Do you reckon your career will live longer, though? Am I right, Matt? Dave. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Because your no career is going to be as a corpse on display. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to donate your body to that guy in Germany that turns uh, corpses into museum objects. I want to be a chair. Oh, okay. Well, he does all sorts of weird stuff. A beautiful choice. Because then when people sit on me, it's kind of like a hug. Yeah. A sitting spoon. Yeah. Oh, that's nice because I love spooning. He can put wire through your arms so they're bendable around yeah, you. Yeah, perfect. Oh, that's nice. And Isn't then that not, I, can be, be nice I can be the big spoon for you or you can spoon me. Yeah. 
Either or. And if you turn to your left, there's a bookshelf, and on that bookshelf is a book made from my skin. Oh, so we're all there. So we're together in well, death. Matt, are you there? Are you no, with, he's the one I'm paying sitting, I'm to sitting spoon. On the, <laughs> yeah, sitting so on the chair, still, having a read. <laughs> having a read of the skin book. It's the curse of immortality. <laughs> um, all right, so just a little bit as well on his, like I said, at the very top, I'm, I, I've brushed over a lot of things because this is a life that has contained a lot. But um, just a few key points here. Have we got up to the Kiki D? Yeah. That kind of came after, and I, um, Bernie was talking about uh, how they've got like he's he's proud of the music that they've created, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. But he also talks, he's like, "There's some duds," right? And he talks about a fair bit of fluff, yeah, like music just, uh, and he talks about that Kiki D um, duet as being a bit of fluff. What are you talking about? Ah, uh, it's a banger. Islands in the stream, yeah. That is your greatest. Your greater song. Mm. No need to be jealous of Kiki, Bernie. Yeah, come on. Just because he didn't duet with you. Yeah. You were yeah. always the other partner. Yeah. Silent silent partner. Yeah. Silently very, very wealthy partner. <laughs> <laughs> um, in an interview with Rolling Stone in 1976, Elton John came out as bisexual. Um, in 84, he married German recording engineer Renata Blaul. In, in Darling Point in Sydney. They got married in Sydney. That's crazy, isn't it? But, of course, because he'd come out as bisexual, people then speculated that the marriage was a cover for his homosexuality because it was the 80s. I mean, people if you're trying to cover that up, you come understand. out and you talk about your sexuality very openly. Yeah. That's a classic way of you covering cover up your up. sexuality. Oh, so you claim to be bisexual, which means you're attracted to both genders and now you've married a woman. Ha <laughs> ha, gay. <laughs> what does that mean? What a wild time. <laughs> you don't understand any of this. Um, they were married for four years before they divorced in 1988 and after his divorce he told the magazine he was comfortable being gay. Um, so I guess in a way... <laughs> Annoyingly, they were right. Kind of right. <laughs> but, is, but it's not always the case, right? They were right? ignorant in their correctness. They happened anyway. And shut what, up. And what happened to Blau? I love sure. hearing you soy boys get fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, we're so soy. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just, war- I'm being a bit of a warrior for social justice <laughs> over here. Um, <laughs> they haven't made it this far, those, those no. people that don't like and us. And if they have, they can fuck off. Anyway, <laughs> in uh, in 1993, he began a relationship with David Furnish, who's a former advertising executive and now filmmaker, originally from Toronto. That wasn't a Toronto accent. He's from Toronto. Toronto. Did not realise. Hmm. Interesting. Um, that's just a little side note there. I'll come back to them later. Oh, okay. Sizzle. Can you feel the love tonight? Can you feel? Which is what I'm talking about right now. Along with Tim Rice, Elton John wrote the songs for the 1994 Disney animated film The Lion King. Now, Dave, which one is Tim Rice? All right, there's Tim Curry, Tim Rice. Yes. Which one's which? Tim Curry. Is the bad guy in McHale's Navy. So he's the, the sa- remake with Tom Arnold. He's the okay. sassy one because Curry's sassy. He's Rooster in The Orphan Annie. He's also in Congo. <laughs> he's in Congo, a movie we talked about of primates. That's right. And? With a baffling accent. Yeah, wow. He went full Tim Curry on that role. <laughs> with something you should never do. And uh, <laughs> Tim Rice. You never win an Academy Award going full Curry. <laughs> you know who has won an Academy Award? Tim Rice. When he goes 
Full Tim Rice. Right. Well, speaking of Academy Awards, at the 67th Academy Award, three of the five nominees for the Academy Award for Best Song were from the Lion King soundtrack. And uh, That is crazy. I know. I mean, I really hope they won. Well, Elton John won the award for Can You Feel the Love Tonight, which goes a little something like this. Rocket Man. <laughs> yeah, that's, Do you reckon that's Bernie's is in the wings a little bit pissed off? That he well, he didn't get the collab? Oh, yeah. They got Tim one. Rice yeah. in. Bernie's like, you fucking friggin' fuck. Probably not. And It doesn't strike me as that type. Seems like a pretty chilled out dude. Actually, we did a uh, we did an episode of Primates about Lion King a, a few weeks back. That is a fascinating film, and it, and apparently it was the first time they got um, a a big name musician to do the music for a film. Yeah, before that, it, they didn't really do that, and um, it, and same with the cast. They didn't normally have big name actors yeah. through the whole cast. It was the first one, apart from. Robin Williams in Aladdin, but he was sort of just one out. And then mm. this one, it was an all-star cast. JTT, uh, Darth Vader. Uh, Nathan Lane. Jeremy Irons. Oh. Rowan Atkinson. Oh, yes. Whoopi Goldberg, etc. cetera. Mm. Big cast. Matthew so- Broderick. There we go. Um, so Can You Feel the Love Tonight won the award. Both that and Circle of Life became hit songs for Elton John. Can You Feel the Love Tonight also won him a Grammy Award for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance at the Grammys, obviously. Um, after the release of the Lion King soundtrack, the album remained in the at the top of the Billboard 200 for nine weeks. Huge. Well, that's bigger than all his other stuff. I know, mm. it's massive. Also in 1994, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by Guns N' Roses frontman Axl Rose. Well, I bet he was honoured. Yeah. Who would you choose to um, to present you with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Probably Axl Rose. Really? To be fair. Yeah. Oh. I would go Duff McKagan. <laughs> I was going to go for Dame Edna. Oh, hmm. I was going to go Buckethead. <laughs> the brief replacement yeah, br- very guitarist brief. for Slash. <laughs> yeah, very brief. So you picked Dame Edna. Yes. All oh, right. Love her work. <laughs> She's a real battler. <laughs> yep. She went from a a regular woman to a dame. Yeah. She. Yeah. She grew. I think she grew up in Mooney Ponds. Correct. Yeah. Oh wow. Such a inspiration. In early September of 1997, he contacted his writing partner, Bernie Taupin, asking him to revise the lyrics of his 1973 song, Candle in the Wind, to honour Princess Diana of Wales, who'd been killed in a car accident just the week earlier. In 1997, Mm. that was the same day that the Saints beat Port Adelaide to finish on top of the ladder at the end of the season. So a real rollercoaster of a day. We all know where we were on that day. For me, it was a great day. (laughs) Time zone wise, though, that probably happened before she died, too, eh? Pro- yeah, I just remember being real, real happy that day. Matt, but I don't think some kids lost their mum. No, I mean about the. Fo- I'm talking about the footy. I know, but Matt, like, come on, some Adelaide fans lost that day. Yeah, so. poor Adelaide fans, though. Adelaide fans. Adelaide ended up beating us in the grand final, so thank you very much. You saying you can't refer to Port Adelaide as Adelaide? There's Adelaide and there's Port Adelaide. Different teams. That is ridiculous. You know there's Melbourne and North Melbourne as well? Yeah, well, two Melbournes don't make a right. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, so, he's right. I, hey, he's right. That he was right. right. He's and right. I, and I'm, I'm sorry, you soy boys. Uh, <laughs> obviously, Princess Diana was a great princess and an inspiration to all of us. Thank you. Thank and you. I, I wasn't at all trying to make light of that, but it was a great day for the same. <laughs> <laughs> On the 6th of September in 1997, he performed Candle in the Wind 1997 for the only time in a live setting at the funeral of Diana in Westminster Abbey. And the song became the fastest and biggest selling single of all time, eventually selling over 33 million copies worldwide, the best selling uh, single in UK chart history. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that a, a cover of your, your own song. Yeah, then just becomes I think, huge. yeah, there's so much. Oh, obviously, it's a great song anyway, but also the country was just mourning real hard. Big time. And the world. You know, she yeah. was the, she wasn't even just the princess of Wales. She was the world's princess. Yep. In Wales. The people's princess. And we did that to her, us, you know, via the media, hounding her into a car crash. I mean, we were seven. Thank you. So I don't think. We all played a role. All right. Yep. Well, we acknowledge what we did. Yeah, I remember playing with my Batman toys when I heard that she was in a car accident. Mm. Why did you do that, Dave? Because I got it for my birthday and I got the Mr. Freeze and it was really cool. I was playing with toy cars, which was insensitive on my part. I'll oh, come on, just a bit. And you became a journalist. Yeah. Or you went to study journalism. Yeah. And But she gave it up because when she understood what the media had done to. Yeah. Mm. You know, I just wanted to get in. I wanted to be some good on the inside. Right. And Make I, change from the inside out. Exactly. And then I didn't go into journalism. Be the journalist you want to see in the world. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So the proceeds from the song, which was approximately 55 million pound. Oh. Were donated to Diana's charities via the uh, Diana Princess of Wales Memorial Fund. And it won Elton John the Grammy Award for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance at the 40th Annual Grammys in 1998. So we got a Grammy for that as well, for doing a cover of his own song. Profiting from... <sighs> Tragedy. Ugh. Well, he did give it all to charity. Well, did he give the award to charity? Probably did. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably did, probably, to be honest. Yeah, yeah probably did. Um, in 1997, The Lion King musical debuted on Broadway and uh, The West End in 1999. In 2014, it had grossed over $6 billion become the top-earning title in box office history for both stage production and films, surpassing the record previously held by Andrew Lloyd Webber's 1986 musical The Phantom of the Opera, and Andrew Lloyd Webber, of course, notoriously being the archenemy of Maxwell Sheffield. That's right. That crusty old conductor, I mean composer. I I always forget his name. I remember Sheffield's name. but Maxwell. What's the other guy's name? Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Shit beneath my feet. That's what I call him, Weber. So you should be happy then because Elton John beat him. Yeah. Took his record off him. The Phantom of the Upper Road is there. All right, mate. Have a whinge. Inside your butt. Is that what it is? Inside your butt. It's a phantom. Shush, phantom. I do say... The Phantom always plays up when I eat spicy food. <laughs> Do you call your butt the Phantom? No, he's in my butt. Oh. That's that was, what you said. That was confusing. Uh, please excuse me. The Phantom of the Opera is here. <laughs> in, inside my butt. 
Returning to musical theatre, Elton John composed music for a West End production of Billy Elliot the Musical in 2005 with playwright Lee Hall. Opening to strong reviews, the show won four Laurence Olivier Awards, including Best New Musical. It was the 11th long, longest-running musical in West End history and the London production ran through April uh, through until April 2016 after 4,566 performances. And you know it was performed in the theatre where we saw Hamilton? Yeah. <gasps> they replaced it, yeah. Have we talked about seeing Hamilton? It was great fun. Did was we great talk fun. about it last I don't even really... Last year. Do I like musicals? I'm confused now because... Did you like Hamilton? I enjoyed that. And you like Annie. I think you like musicals. Come on, mate, you do. There's something about them that I'm not sure about. That's okay. I historically really disliked them, but I really enjoyed Hamilton. Hmm. Hmm, interesting. This is great. These are good chats. Oh, thank you. Tell me what else you don't like and do like. Oh, okay. Wait, Um... that was a joke. I've got a report to do. Oh, okay. Fucking roasted. Oh. Brussels sprouts and custard. <laughs> you do or don't? You don't like custard. I love custard. Don't like Brussels sprouts. I do not. Interesting. You're a real cliche. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the show grossed over $800 million worldwide and is a winner of over 80 theatre awards internationally. Is this Billy Elliot? Yeah. Huh. Never heard of it. Heck you. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking of musicals, in January of 2017, it was announced that Elton John would be composing the score for the, for the full Monty for the Broadway musical version of The Devil Wears Prada. Yes! He's wearing Prada, the devil's wearing Prada. Here he comes, Nada, the devil's wearing Prada. Oh, that is good. That is Hello, good stuff. Mother, Father. We come from Camp Granada. We're devil wearing Prada. <laughs> Uh, this shit writes itself. How many Laurence Olivier Awards will we be winning? Well, the timeline, the musical is yet to be announced of when it's going to come out. So, Did you uh, skip over the heaps. part where uh, he composed something for Nomeo and Juliet? Uh, <laughs> Jess. Did he? Do your research. I, I think so. Well, maybe do your research before yeah. you undermine my research. <laughs> no, that, was, that, was, that was rude. And I got in March 2007, he performed at Madison, Madison Square Garden for a record-breaking 60th time for his 60th birthday. 60 times. Jeez, that's big. 60 times. The concert was broadcast live and a DVD recording was released as Elton 60, live at Madison Square Garden. It's an exciting title. Name, age. <laughs> love it. ASL. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Huh? Um, <laughs> I'm looking up Nobio and Julia. I'm not seeing any mention of Elton John. Is that right, Dave? Although it did star Ozzy Osbourne. So, in a way, aren't we all right? Star? He was one of the voices, apparently. Oh, I don't know. Is he Nomeo? No, no, he was he, Juliet. He's very, very low down. He was and. On the list. Uh, um, so, in uh, in December... Of 2005, the day the Civil Partnership Act came into force, Elton and David were amongst the first couples to form a civil partnership in the UK. And nine years later to the day, they married after gay marriage had finally been legal. So they'd already been, they'd been together since 1993. They were one of the first couples in 2005 to get a partnership and then when gay marriage was legalised, they were like, let's get hitched. Um. Their oldest son, they've got two boys. They've got Zachary Jackson Levon Furnish John. Fuck, that is good. 
That's fun. You hate it. Say again. So let's recap. We need to go through it name by name. What is it? Zachary? Zachary Jackson. Levon. Furnish John. Furnish John is hyphenated. Furnish John is a, sounds like a funny name. Would you go John Furnish? John Furnish is better, yeah. I agree. Furnish but John. we're but not the parents. It's also it's funny that, yeah, he, he really committed to John being his surname. Well, he's legally changed his name to it in the 70s, so, I mean, that's his name now. I'm happy for is him. Is that wild? I'm happy for them. The character. Uh, and John. Zachary was born on Christmas Day in 2010. What day is this? Why is Christmas Day? <laughs> and they've also got another son, Elijah, Joseph, Daniel, Furnished John. Daniel, my brother. And he was born in 2013. Well, so you know. Two young kids. Are you still looking up Nomeo and Juliet? When they had their first son during that period, Elton John was working on the Nomeo and Juliet original soundtrack <laughs> produced by Elton John and David Furnish, the partner we're talking about right now. <laughs> And includes uh, the duet of Lady uh, Lady Gaga and Elton John and the song Hello, Hello. It also features Crocodile Rock, Saturday Night's Alright, Don't Go Breaking My Heart. It basically, it's just Elton John songs. <laughs> Benny and the Jets, Tiny Dancer. I'm not crazy after all. Good news, everyone. Ooh, I don't know. Stop tweeting in about Nomeo and Juliet. You seem a little bit crazy. <laughs> couple more things. I'm nearly done. Uh, I just wanted to wrap up with a couple of things. Sorry, sorry. I'm treading on your toes about the Nomeo and Juliet facts. Well, that well, you are now. Um, I was going to end on that, but okay. now it, this will just fizzle well, out. No, no big finish then. <laughs> uh, in January of last year, 2018, it was announced that Elton John would be retiring from touring and would soon embark on a three-year farewell tour. <laughs> wow. If he lives that long, gosh. <laughs> He's only 71 or something. Okay. Well, I mean. I love that though. Like if he lives, I but think I love... that, that is true of any tour. Yeah, so. good point. Good point. <laughs> but also, I like it because his reasoning for retiring is for his kids to spend more time with his kids. So instead, while they're like ten, oh, one's eight and one's five, Guys, he's gonna just tour for three years. Yeah, I'll be back on your sixteenth birthday. It's fine. Don't worry about it. The first concert took place in Allentown, Pennsylvania, in September of 2018. And, uh, yeah, he, this is a quote from him. He says, 10 years ago, if you asked me if I'd ever stopped touring, I would have said no. But we had children and that changed our lives. I've had an amazing life and career, but my life has changed. My priorities are now my children and my husband and my family. Isn't that nice? That is nice. But you, I agree with you, Jess. You think that he would take some time off now and then maybe in his late 70s come out and do a few final concerts or if just, he still loves yeah, performing. Yeah, don't spend three years doing a farewell tour like – Maybe obviously he's huge, and if you're going to do a farewell tour, you want to get to everywhere you can. But also, like three years is a long time. But anyway, I mean, you know, he can make his own life choices, I suppose. And will we be going to see him on his farewell tour? Uh, no. no. Okay. I've got to refund those tickets I bought Matt for his birthday. Oh God, I thought he was a fan. <laughs> yes. 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 God, now I've got to buy those tickets back. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Now they're I, triple the price. They want more money. Uh, I'd, def- I'd go see him perform, I reckon. Well, would you go see a biopic? Yes. No. Yes, maybe. maybe. Is it called Kenneth? <laughs> He's middle be a bit name. Of a... His middle name. <laughs> it's called Rocket Man. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. Do they, have, do they have much info about it? Um, it's set to be released in May. Right, so they've got a star and everything. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, directed by uh, Dexter Fletcher, who directed Bohemian Rhapsody, which was about Freddie Mercury, um, and it's going to star Taron Egerton as Elton. And he 
has had some experience with Elton's music, he performs a cover of I'm Still Standing in the animated film Sing. He's right. a Is he a rhino? Something like that. They're all animals. Is he... Is that... Um... Uh, the Aussie Edgerton is he a nah. Edgerton brother? No, nah, he's different English. guy. Yeah, Taj Edgerton. Taron. He's in um. Oh shit, Kingsman. Why? I mean, why are you saying a movie that no one's ever seen? It's a good movie. Um, <laughs> and finally, some fun facts, if I may. Oh, I love it. I haven't done fun facts for a while, but I've just got a couple here. Uh, aside from his two children that he has with his husband, he also has ten godchildren, including Sean Lennon. John Lennon's son. Wow. David and Victoria Beckham's sons, Brooklyn and Romeo. And Elizabeth Hurley's son, Damien Hurley. You'd think if your mum was Elizabeth Hurley, you'd have a more glamorous name than Damien. That's cup, just a little side thought there. that, Damien's of the world. <laughs> yeah, my cousin Damien. Sorry, Damo, you're great. But your name's a little dull. What about Damien Martin, the well, cricketer. cricketer? Yeah, I love cricket. Well, now you've hurt the feelings of one of the greats. Damien Martin. He had all the talent in the world, never quite converted that into, into results. But, but he geez, he was a it was beautiful to watch when he was going. That's nice. Yeah. I got one more fun fact. <sighs> Is uh, it about Damien Martin? No. Because that would be so apt. The video for so uh Elton John, he st- after a while he didn't want to be in his own music videos anymore. So the video for This Train Don't Stop There Anymore featured Justin Timberlake. <laughs> portraying a young Elton John. And there's also a video for I Want Love, which featured Robert Downey Jr. lip-syncing. Portraying an even younger Elton John. How cool is that? They de-aged Robert Downey (laughs) with the Marvel technology. I know, they're good. That's that's cool. I totally get that as well. I think I'd be... Eventually, you'd be like, just make a short film. Here's some money. Yeah, just get an animated thing happening. Get some patterns. Just make it artistic. I'm busy. To get Robert Downey Jr. or whatever. I've had enough of pretending to sing my song. Yeah. Over and over again. That must again. be pretty tedious. Um, but yeah, that is my report on the life of Elton John. That was a lot of fun, Jess Perkins. That's pretty interesting. Obviously, there's heaps more. He's yeah. like, I mean, he's one of the biggest artists of the last ever. century. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, there and was it, that period in his life where he was what spending like two hundred thousand dollars on flowers a month or something. Did something you come like across that. that? Yeah, I think so. Like he just went out of control. But he what? and Bernie wrote together for like five decades. And Bernie still alive? Yeah. Love oh, him. I think so. Oh, the doco I was watching was from a few years ago, but I, I believe so. Someone was telling me. I don't know if this is true, but someone was telling me that he because um, he gets homesick or something when he's touring, so he has ev- every room he stays in. He he gets made to look exactly like his bedroom. Oh, wow. Is that You didn't come across that. That might not no, be true. I think I did. That sounds absolutely wild. And Bernie Taupin is still alive. Yeah. And looks, to be, to be honest, like an Elton John impersonator. Yeah. That's what he looks like. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> it's a cool dude. So, yeah, there we go. What a life. What a report. Good times. Thank you so much, Jess. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks to me. everyone that suggested that topic. Hmm. Are there any other crazy but very interesting lives you want us to report on or any topic at all? You can go to dogoonpod.com and click uh, Submit a Topic. Take you to a little form. You fill it out. Tell us where you are in the world so we can uh, thank you when we do the topic and tell us why it's interesting. That always helps make it jump out amongst the thousands of suggestions. Mm -hmm. If you did enjoy this as a topic, we've done a bunch of um, English musician 
bios before, like the Beatles and Bowie? Da- David Bowie and Freddie Mercury. I've done all of those. Have you really? <laughs> and we've done a bunch of American ones too, like Johnny Cash and Pantera and others. Gosh, I haven't done them. Have I not done a musician then? Dave, you get when you get your next vote should be. All right, I'll do it. My next vote on the Patreon will be uh, Cool Musos. Nice. 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 But that does bring us to the end of the report part of the show, but to the start of the Patreon Presents, I guess, in a way, part of the show. That's right. And first up, of course, is the fact quote or question. And we get all that stuff from patreon.com slash do go on pod. If you want to support the show, give back a couple of bucks or even more every month, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash do go on pod, like I say, and uh, you get bonus rewards, shout outs, access to pre sales. Discounts on tickets and two bonus episodes every single month. No one else hears those. Not even Reginald Kenneth Dwight. No. No matter what he says. No, actually, he is a Patreon. Oh, well, he can afford it. Yeah. Uh, A similar sort of uh, triple-barreled name uh, is this week's fact quote or questioner uh, from our Patreon. Kevin Ulysses Packrad. Oh, I love that name. It's a great name. He's a fact quote or question before. His title uh, this time around. So you get to give yourself a title and then offer us a fact quote or question to be read at the end of the episode. Uh, the title Kevin's given himself is Your Mum's Great Friend Who Doesn't Want to Intrude In on Your Personal Life But Feels As Though There's a Moral Obligation Involved. <laughs> love that. Thank you, Kevin. And he's offered a quote, and the quote is you know, I love a quote, inspirational. He's, um, he... You can take inspiration from it, yes. All right. uh, no matter what it is, I promise to be inspired. <laughs> this, uh, this one, he, he put a, a poll out uh, to the Patreon Facebook group to see what quote he should give, and they wanted to do an ad-lib sort of thing. So he, I think a bunch of people on the, in the Patreons added a couple of words each, and this is what it's ended up being. I've not read this yet. Uh I always try to talk. Do you not understand what I'm saying? Does that yep. make sense? Yeah, yep. right. So it's a combined poetry, essentially. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. I always try to talk about where I was found within the lion's den of my wretched soul, pondering the floating jellyfish from outer banana hammock, where the bananas are constantly consumed and expelled with joyous frivolity. The only way forward is if Matt, if it, the only way forward is if Matt and Jess. And festive boy, continue to reference Simpsons each week forevermore. I will never stop until you eat my shorts and pray. When this airs, the legalization is ended. That is from the Dugon. Wow. Wow, that was. Patrons. Wow. Especially the first sentence. It did sound like the opening of a novel. That was <laughs> beautiful. That was wow. Thank you so much to everyone that can. I think there's so much you can read into it too. You could unpack a lot yes. out of that. Yes, I would have spent many a lit class analysing the shit out of that passage. Mm-hmm. I love it. What do they mean by bananas? Yeah, double do they mean ban- bananas? Bana- no, symbolic. Yeah, wow. symbolic bananas. Mm, phallic, some sort of phallus. Phallus. Dicks. Yes. Potassium. Mm. Oh, potassium dicks. Chimps. Potassium dick. Oh, chimps. Maybe it's chimp, chimp dick. Chimp. chimp dick. There we go. We got to the bottom of it. Maybe some sort of chimp dick triptych. We cracked the code. Thanks, guys. Uh, send us in another code. <laughs> we'll crack it. 
Uh, so if you want to do that, you get on the uh, Patreon and subscribe on the City Scheinberg level mm. or above. And also what we like to do at the end of episodes is shout out to some other Patreons. And we normally do it in a way with where Jess gives us a little game to play based on the topic of the episode. Did we, when we did Freddie Mercury, did we give them stage names? That sounds possible. Yeah, I feel like we've done that before. Should we name their album? Great. Love that. You okay with that? I love that. You hate it. Oh, D- my no, God. No, no, I love you it so much. Me. But just to recap, my favourite album was definitely Tumbleweed. Connection. Connect. Oh, God, that's good. The Tumbleweed Does, Connection. Even the way I said that, it was like I said a word, then Jess completed it. Yeah. Maybe we could name the albums that way. Yes! Yeah. I, I imagine Sorry for often, yelling. I imagine that's often how Bernie <laughs> That's how Bernie works. works. He plays that game with himself. He'll write <laughs> one word, cover it, write another word. <laughs> God, I've done it again. <laughs> he just flicks through a dictionary and closes his eyes and points. Yeah. Beautiful. Tumbleweed. Banana Lounge. Connection. Banana Lounge. Banana. God, God he, I've done it again. He is good. All right, well, I'll kick it off. So we're yeah. each going to add one word to the title. Yep. Uh, so firstly, I'd love to thank from Western Australia, Mr. Cameron Warns. Cameron Warns. Okay, rusty, nail, head. Oh, whoa. This that, is fun that too. That sounds like something from WA, don't you reckon? Rusty yeah. nail, nail head. Rusty it's a country head. album. Of course. Cameron Warns. Cameron Warns. Cameron Thanks, Warns. Cameron. I'm looking forward to hearing your album, Rusty yep. Nail Head. Yeah. Tweet us when it comes out, please. I'd also love to thank uh, from, is that Austria, Dave? Can uh, you have a go at saying the name? Of where it's from, where right. they're from. I would also love to thank from Uritsfield in Niederstorich <laughs> in Austria. Possibly not exactly how you pronounce it. I would love to thank Thomas Hinteregger. Oh, Thomas in Austria. What an absolute honour. Thomas in Austria. Dave, you're going to kick this one off again? Okay. Um, flamingo. Grey. Bulldozer. Flamingo grey bulldozer. Because it sounds like that's a type of thing, a flamingo grey yeah. bulldozer. I like yeah. it. Yeah. And in Austria, I imagine that means even more. <laughs> well, it means a lot to Thomas anyway, because that is going to be his debut album. The flamingo grey bulldozer. Yeah. Can I thank oh. some people too? Please. Love yes, it. Please. Love it so much. I would like to thank from Rouse Hill in New South Wales. Levi Burrows. Oh, I like the name Levi. Levi's cool. Thank you, Levi. And are we, are we, is Dave starting it again or do you want to take turns? No, I yeah. think we should take turns. All right, Matt, you start it. Okay. <clears throat> uh, can I have the name again, please? Levi Burrows. Levi Burrows. Hedge. Zone. World. Oh, okay. that feels, that's a, feels, that's a, it feels like a whole sort of like a world. Hedge zone world. <laughs> Come on down to hedge zone world. You can trim a hedge. You can look at a hedge. <laughs> but you can't defeat the hedge. <laughs> the one rule of Just hedge this zone. insane man. Yeah. <laughs> ah, the hedge will always win. My sister and her boyfriend were telling me they went to a uh, hedge recently, uh, like a maze? Hedge, hedge maze yeah. in country Victoria, but it was so overgrown. You couldn't, and then there were some bits that were dead. You couldn't tell what was a walkthrough and what was just a dead bit. Oh. And then there were lookout zones, and you go up to the lookout, and the tree, the bush had grown so much that you could only you look for one foot, and then there was just more hedge. 
That was the lookout zone. Oh, that's nice. I imagine that's Hedge Zone World. Yeah, Hedge Zone mm. World's a bit shit, but Do the you... album is great. Do you know where they were by chance? No, I'm afraid not. Because I've, I've, there's one in Wandilagong, and I'd be sad to hear that that's run down because it used to be a beautiful hedge maze. Mm. Wandilagong. Wandilagong. They just said it was somewhere in country Victoria. I love it. Well, that is in country Victoria. Oh, let's, Find out. Let's not make assumptions. I don't want to besmirch the good people of Wandilagong. Never. Um, I'll also like to thank someone else, if I may. Please This is fun. Please <laughs> Indulge. I'd like to thank from Saskatoon. Ah, Saskatchewan. Is that... No. No, not related? I feel like they Saskatoon. are. Saskatoon. Yeah, that's the name of the... All right. I love how they get to Territory. have both of those. They don't have states there. They have territories. Right. In Canada. Bridget. Ooh. Oh, beautiful name. No, Bridget. Oh. I don't know how to say Bridget's last name. Bridget Gwenane. Oh, that sounds right. That sounds beautiful. Sorry, Bridget, if that's not right. But Bridget. your album is going to be sick. Gwenane. And I'm kidding myself. Okay. Gwenane. Okay. Ribbit. Good. Times. <laughs> Ribbit Good Times. times. That sounds like an Elton John album to me. <laughs> Rupert Goodtimes. Yeah. Is Bridget on the cover of the album in a frog costume? Yeah. No, she's not even in a costume. It's her f- head photoshopped onto a frog. <laughs> but like a cute frog on a lily pad. <laughs> it's called Ribbit Goodtimes. Ribbit Goodtimes. It's, Come very, it's on. a very sexy album. Yeah. <laughs> sounds nice to me. I like it. I like it too. Um, Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Bridget. In Saskatoon. 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 Is that something yes. like that? Yeah. Is that how they say I, something like sure. that? Sure. Yep. Now, this is a very, very well-traveled, not really, roundly-lived people, I should say. Roundly-lived. I'm trying to say that these people are from all over the world this week. Okay. Because we've had Austria. Worldly. We've had Canada. We've had Australia. And now it's time to go to China. Woohoo! I would like to thank, from Beijing, Stephen Bowron. Stephen. Stephen Bowron. Bowron. So you're kicking this one off. Yep. Bob. Great. Hallie. <laughs> Should I say a real word? Yeah, yeah if you okay. wouldn't mind. Great, okay. Great. Holly. Ox. Great Holly, Holly Ox. Ox. That's nice. I quite like that. It's fun Festive. to say. Yeah. Great Holly Ox. Is, it, like- is it a Christmas album? Absolutely. Love it. Good for you, Stephen. Not enough people do Christmas albums. Yes. Yeah. Good chance to cash in if it takes off. And now it's January, getting in early. Yeah. I love that too. Love a planner because I'm a planner. (laughs) Love a plan. All right, from Beijing all the way over to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ah, the buck country. With a man from Milwaukee. Hanson. And there is a man from Milwaukee, and I imagine they're singing about Michael Winkler. Michael Winkler is a fantastic name. That is a great name. Michael Winkler sounds like a, a... like the father in an American movie to me. Yeah, Michael, Michael Winkler. Winkler. No, I think Michael is the son of Henry. Oh, Henry Winkler, of course. <laughs> I imagine there's definitely a relation. Yeah. Michael's album is called Night. Heart. Leather. <laughs> what? I thought of the Fonz. Night, heart, leather. Night, heart, leather. I reckon it's night, full stop, heart, full stop, leather. Yeah. Full yeah. Stop. And it is... And he's just, yeah, he's all leather, yeah. right? Like straddling right a hog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, like a big wild pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I imagined. Wearing the pig's uncle in leather form. Yeah. So what is it again? Night? Hog. Leather. No, heart. Heart. 
<laughs> I mean, they're one in the same. You got your heart, you got your hog. Yeah. Night heart leather. That's probably my favourite. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Those that are works. all good. So thank you to Michael as thank well. Thank you to Mr. Winkler. Say hi to your dad for me. Henry. Uh, that is the end of the show. Thanks to everyone that contributes to Patreon every week. It's not just these six superstars. There are lots and lots of people that we would like to thank in spirit. And, and there in it words. Is. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, and for everyone out there, Patreons or not, you can get in contact anytime at dogoonpod.com. There's links to everything we got, including merchandise. You can buy through Redbubble. We've got a Redbubble page. There's a couple of designs there. We're going to add some more very soon. And that means you can print that design basically on anything. Posters, clocks, T-shirts, jumpers, socks, cups, magnets, maybe. Everything there, except possibly magnets. But there's a lot there. And you just go to dogoonpod.com and click merch to do that. And our email is dogoonpod.com. Drop us a line anytime. Or uh, on uh, on social media, at dogoonpod. Check us out. Totally do that. Totally. Totes. Do, do, do it. You can also check us out on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash dogoonpod. Um, there's more and more of the live episodes that we recorded in the UK tour are going up over previous weeks. So you can watch us as well as listen to us. They're, to be honest, just a single camera thing, but if that interests you, please check it out. Yeah, it's still fun to see. Yeah, we do a bit of stage. We do a bit of movement. And we'll and see that our faces move. <laughs> and we're going to start recording sporadically. We'll record some of the studio episodes as well to put up on there too. And, yeah, if you can give us a review on iTunes or whatnot, that would be so good. Or if you can't do any of those things, maybe something you could do is uh, suggest us to a friend who might enjoy the podcast because um, that really helps uh, get the word out and keep it all running along, which is so nice. And we've heard people doing that recently um, where they'll get friends and, and then it becomes like a bloody a friend or family thing people do together. It's always nice. really nice when people rock up with their partner or their family or their close friends and they go, yeah, I got this person listening. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it warms the cockles of my it dick. <laughs> I'll regret that. Can you edit that bit out? <laughs> nah. It warms the cockles of my heart. Oh. Or your hog. My night heart lane. <laughs> night heart leather. leather. <laughs> dick. Uh, and if this podcast wasn't enough for you, Matt and I also have uh, spin-off shows also on the do go on network, which is within the Planet Broadcasting Network, including Primates. Matt, what's the most recent episode about? Uh, the most recent one was with Jess Perkins and Peter Jones. We That's talked me! About, we talked about Mowgli. Uh, it's sort of like a, 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 a the most recent uh, version of the Jungle Book. Dave, that Jess Perkins that he mentioned. Who's that? Me. That's oh, Jess Perkins. I thought it was... An amazing coincidence. It's quite a common name, by the way. It's a really, but really. It was me, Jess Perkins. Right, as in Jess, aka Kate Perkins. Kate Perkins. It's a very fun, funny episode. Jess was making me lol real hard, and uh, yeah, it's worth checking out. There's now 26 episodes of that up. I think Dave, you've been on about about 24 of them. <laughs> I think about eight or so. <laughs> Jess has been on about the same. So. Um, worth checking out if you're looking for something to do. Oh, there's my show, Book Cheat, which I just put out a new episode yesterday, also featuring Pete Jones uh, and uh, Beck Petratus. Together they are from the Kentucky Fried Chatton podcast. It's also a lot of fun that you should check out. And, uh, yeah, we talked about Jules Verne's science fiction classic, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh. Under the sea. Under the sea. Under it was a lot of fun. Sea. So you can check that out as as well on Darling, your podcast app. It's better down where it's wetter. Is that a Bernie? Mm. Yeah, that does feel like a Bernie. Bernie yeah. Yeah. Totally does. We'll put uh links to those in the probably will we? We'll put links to those in the um 
show notes. Yeah, I think we've started looking every week to primates and book cheats. So spread the love, spread the podcast, make it happen. <laughs> I was going to say hip and happening. And I just said happen. <laughs> it's time to go. Make it happen. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, we will say Happy New Year and goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 